Parish Hawks, welcome back. Episode 53. Man, this lockdown is getting to us, I'm not going to lie. But we found a lot more time to grind. And surprisingly, so much incredible music is coming out at the moment. Um, Just a quick update on everything. The first compilation, we're slowly putting an end to it in terms of promoing it just because we've got the next one coming so soon. So please keep your eyes out for that. Should be a single soon. We've got some massive names on it. And same ethos as well, 100% Bandcamp, 100% charity. So keep your eyes peeled for that and a whole heap of new stuff, including merch, magazines, all that stuff. You get the exclusive scoop on the Paratalks podcast. But as I said before, there's so much incredible music coming out right now. And I think my next guest is a big part of that. And a lot, one of my favorite songs, I think, that's come out in this period for me. I've been struggling to listen to a lot of music, but this one's just stuck with me. I've got the one, the only Jerome Farrell on the line. How are you this afternoon? I'm good, man. I'm excited to speak to you, bro. I like, I, like it's, it's rare we get um, feedback from the artist that early on because a lot of them are like, oh, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> so I'm taking, I'm taking the excitement straight up. But yeah. I think that the easiest way to kick it off is we need to address the elephant in the room. You know, just generally, how's the past year and a half been for you? How has it changed the way you express your creativity? It was, it was definitely, um, you know, something that me and everyone had never gone through before. So I was like, I had no idea how to do it. But for some reason, um, I it was good on the writing side. Like I wrote so much music. Um, Obviously, I went loopy in my bedroom, as in like like lockdown and stuff. And Melbourne, Melbourne went hard, like went in through it hard. Um, but it was so weird. Create creatively, I was. It was like amazing mentally and physically. Not not good. But the other other way around, it was like I was writing. I was writing on stuff. I was writing for other people. I was. It was. It was. Yeah. It was good on that side, but mentally crazy. This might be a bit of a tough question or like a, a complex question, like a, a big hypothetical question. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the type of music you made would have changed if you weren't in lockdown? Or do you think that the lockdown sort of era just sort of brought it out quicker and faster? Uh, I'm not sure. I think, I, th- I think that some of the music like that you guys got to hear is so different to majority of music that I made like I made a song that was like it was almost like a um I can't sorry hold on a sec good my wi-fi going crazy (laughs) um all right yeah I'm back yeah so like some of the songs that I made were like it sounded like you know a Louis Armstrong sort of song and then I made like a like a full like emotional ballad and then I made like a full heavy rap track you know what I mean so it was it was honestly everywhere and I think that's because of lockdown it was it wasn't like usually if I make a song and then I I play it live or something I'm like all right cool that's dope let me let me try that again okay that works blah 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 but this was like I can't test out if how these songs work because I love testing out songs um live yeah you know what I mean um, but because I couldn't do that, I was just like, well, I don't know if people are going to like this or not. My only way of it was like putting a snippet on Instagram 
and you still can't really tell if, if that's anyway. Yeah, I think lockdown made me um, not not really change, but like just try everything. You know what I yeah, mean? Definitely. As a as I think the weird thing about the good thing about the live space versus like putting a snippet on Instagram is people are really real live. Like if you're playing a support mm. slot and you're mm. playing a song, people, their reactions are so obvious. Like yeah. Instagram's such an echo chamber where it's like, it's just your followers. It's just your friends, yeah. whatever. Exactly. And they're just going to be like, this is hard. Yeah. Like from, yeah. from a good point of view though, from like a yeah, positive, yeah, yeah. like, like not in a, like a weird toxic way of just like, nah, I'm earning, not, but yeah. you know what I mean? Like they're always going to, they're going to, yeah. yeah. They're always going to show that love. And that that's the thing is like, sometimes, you know, it's, it's great playing shows for your crew, but that's why opening up for someone, you know, like I opened up for Tones and I, and, and that was crazy because it's such a different, um, you know, I don't know what the word is, but it's just, you know, not my crowd or not my Instagram. Yeah. And they, and I figured out like by the first show, I would play, you know, these sort of songs and I would literally just, it was quiet, you know, it was quiet. Then by the second one, I'd bring in another song and I'd be like, oh, they, yeah, they, they like this song. And then, bubble, and so, you know, that was better than going to my own show where it's just like, they're going to like whatever I do. You know what I mean? Definitely. Um, as well, you, you're very much a, a songwriter's songwriter, if you know what I mean. Like, how much do you think that, you know, practicing song, like when you do write a song and you know it might not come out, do you see it as almost like practice? It's like, I, this, like I can make music and it not has to come out. It doesn't have to come out under Jerome yeah. Farrell, but I know that down the line, it's like, it's literally like practice, like kicking a soccer ball around. Do you see it like that I, sometimes? Sort of, not not really, like uh, in writing in particular, I more get that feeling as in if I'm playing, you know, guitar or trying a riff or some something like that. But when I'm writing, I know down the track somewhere, somehow, I'm going to use that as in um, like with, with uh, my song, I Can't Breathe, I have a verse in there that is from, I think, like a six-year-old song. And I just was like, I wrote this down. I was feeling away and I just stayed there. And then I used that and then I picked another part from another. So all my songs are always six different songs put together. Because when I write, I'm, I'm never a whole song in one, which a, yeah. a lot of my friends are. Like they can write a verse in the time that we're in there. And I'm just like, how is your your brain doing that where well, I need to sit there I need to think about it I need to know how I feel about it I need to you know call my brother have a conversation like I got so many things I need to go through before I know something's good you know but um yeah I, I don't even know whether if I answered the question I just no, no that's 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 the exact point if you ever get in your head I don't okay. even know if I'm answering the question that's that's the point of this conversation <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the less yes, you know if you're answering a question, the better the podcast is for me. Um, yes. What do you think, what do you think the, um, the pros and cons are of that from a songwriting perspective? Do you think, is there something deep inside you that was like, shit, I wish I could just top to bottom, you know, two hours oh, and just yeah. let it flow out? Or, well, there's obviously pros and cons yeah, to both. Bro. What do you think they are? Well, this is like, so I lived in LA, well, you know, back and forth for probably like three years. And I, and I did that. I was signed to a 
another major label and I was with a, a band called Jakubi and we, you know, we did pretty much the LA thing where you like, you go through this thing where you're put with different writers, different producers, and you're trying to make a hit. That's yeah. it. I did that for three years and I ended up hating music from it, but that's a different story. But what I saw was like people being able to write these songs that quickly and them being like going big and blah, 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 doing that. And I saw that the thing I got jealous of, it was like, damn, it's if you treat it like a, um, just say like a barber or some, some, someone that can give a fade. If someone does this exact same thing, maybe a little bit worse, but does five of them in an hour and you do one in an hour, that's really good. It's almost like you got to think like the world doesn't really care about it beautiful songs you know what I mean on that side of it on the pop side it's like and the money side of it so that was the you know they just they just want a quick thing and once they're over it it's the next next song so I got jealous on that side of like damn like I could be making bank off the shit yeah like but uh then I come back to the thing of like I tried that for three years of trying to make money off my music and that was my goal and I ended up just hating music, you know. Yeah. I, I didn't want to. I really didn't want to do it. That's that's how I got into writing for other people because I was like, I don't want to do my own music anymore. Um, but yeah, so so I don't know. I, I get jealous of it. I'm like, damn, we can make all these songs. But then I'm also like, damn, I'd rather you know spend my time on writing something that I just fucking love. And that's the thing. Like my music, it might sound like arrogant or whatever, but I'm my biggest fan. Like I love my music and I listen to my music all the time. And I'm like, damn, this shit, ah, yeah. I'm going crazy. You know what I mean? But I have, I have to do that because all my other songs that I wrote with other people in that two seconds to make a hit. If you played those songs to me, I'd, I'd have to get off the call. You know what I mean? Definitely. I think, <laughs> I think there's almost like two sides to it almost in, in pretty much every industry. Like even, even going back to the hairdresser reference, it's always going to be the product side of it. Like as in we're making products, like we're pushing out a service and there's always going to be those barbers that, you know, it's just like they're they're in it for the art of it. And it's exact same. it it comes up in everything. Like, and I think, but I think the interesting thing now is those lines are getting divided so much. Like the fact Mm. that, you know, someone like Tyler's, I say bring Tyler into every single conversation. Yeah. Yeah. But the fact that he's selling out arenas sort of shows that those worlds are overlapping so much because of the internet and stuff like that. Mm. And even with like someone like your music reaching further than it probably would have if you released it five years earlier um, yeah. is a massive sign of that. So I think there's still promising signs in the way that, you know, commercial music is sort of changing and it's pers- the perspective yeah. of commercial music is changing. Yeah. And and what, what you, like you brought up, Tyler, I think like, See, someone, someone like a Tyler is, is, yeah, it's perfect. It's like he's making music that he, that's all him because there's nothing that really sounds like it. You know what I mean? I remember the first time I heard Tyler, I was literally like, what the fuck is, oh, sorry. I was like, what, so what is this? <laughs> I was like, what is this? You know what I mean? I was so confused. It was just crazy to me because my ears couldn't, didn't make sense to what I was hearing. Like, things sounded like out of tune things like when the switch ups that happened and I was like this is crazy but then you know you start seeing like 
you know, other artists come out and start switching up halfway in a song, then start, you know what I mean? And honestly, that's the goal to, to, to almost be like, a, I call it almost like a genre where you write a song and you're like, oh, damn, that's sort of like, it sounds like Tyler. Or you write something and you're like, oh, that's sort of like an artist. You know what I mean? So that's, that's a big goal of mine for, to, to create a sound that is like, distinctively me you know what i mean definitely tyler tyler killed that he <laughs> he's, killed he's that. doing it all bro we've got i've got a whole literal like i can't turn yeah, the camera i've got so much plugged in bro, i've got yeah. a whole shrine here. i've got like the vinyl covers here i've got this yeah i've got a problem that's bro. Right. yeah no, it's a, that's <laughs> a good problem now um yeah so much is going on in the world but this conversation isn't about other people you know so it's, it's about you it's about your own power um I think let's go. Let's take it all the way back just for a little bit. I don't want to harp on this for too long. But let's take it all the way back. Um, just talk us through your upbringing, those early stages of your life. You know, what cultures were impacting you the most? Do you think during that time? Um, wait, are you are you asking me uh, like my my upbringing? Yeah, or whatever. Okay. Just what, what yeah, what's yeah. significant? Yeah. Do you think that's still coming across now from your youth? I don't, I don't know. Like growing up, my, my dad was, um, my da- mom and my dad were, were dancers. So they met like freestyling on podiums in a club so sick. Some, somewhere. They were both working, uh, dancing, you know, on podiums. My mom was in like this group, uh, this group where there's like, like three, three, three people from Zimbabwe that did like all this new Jack swing back when like Janet Jackson sort of, that era, New Jack sort of vibe. Um, and my dad was just a Lebo that just loved, Lebanese guy that just loved dan- the dancing as well. So they met through that. And Alf, me and my brother were just brought up in dancing. Like there was no music playing. It was just music constantly around the house. And we were mm. always, you know, just, just nonstop about that. And I, and I continued dancing till I was like 22. Um, from like four years old so I did it my my whole life um and I think that definitely impacted uh my music because I just you know I just had it around every day for my whole life yeah you know on and um I guess that that part of my life definitely had had it a thing and you know the Lebanese side I was speaking to someone else about this Cause I was like, how, how is Leban, you know, like how is the Lebanese music into, into my thing? And it's like, it's not really the music, it's the culture. You know, if you go to a Lebanese wedding, you're going, you're going you know. to a festival. Yeah. You know what I mean? The craziest, it's like every, like, sorry to interrupt. No, no, like, I get it. Get it. I feel like even so much of my musical awakening has happened at weddings like that. It changed everything. Yeah, right? Like as a kid, like everything yeah. changed after them. Yeah, man, it's it's crazy. It's that yeah, they're too hype. My aunties, my uncles, they're like everyone rocks up up in suits and stuff, and then they leave like sweating. You know, it's full party, and I think that culture as well. You know, made me realize like when I make a song, and you know, I get that feeling of that hype or that that you know, it's it's almost like a superpower. I can tell how people will react on on things you know because i have seen people react to certain yeah. types of you know big time um but yeah that's that's a little bit of my upbringing doesn't the other side of 
of when, once I did start making music, um, you know, me and my brother was making like house music with, um, you know, like Air, Airwolf and Dom Dollar and all that yeah. sort of crew. Um, my, my brother's like one of literally my biggest influence, you know, like I wouldn't have started, his name Jacob Farah, he's, he's got music coming out soon as well. He's, he's so dope. But um, yeah, I, you know, he, he started making like stuff on Ableton and then he would like leave the computer and I'll just like go just try to just see what he's doing. And I would end up like making beats off the beats he had already that he yeah. left up i would just move him around and like make it a different i'd be like yeah i made my first beat and my brother would be like bro this is my song what are you talking about <laughs> anyway um yeah so jacob definitely definitely influenced me and you know airwolf definitely um justin influenced me um yeah it, it, it goes on forever man because yeah. then from there from the production side I, I joined a band and then, you know, I had never picked up an, an instrument, you know, and then from there, they, you know, like uh, Jesse and Adzi, they like, you know, we met just through going out and partying and we would just like always go back and freestyle on these, you know, these guys playing on the, their guitars and shit. And I was like, fuck, teach, like, teach me how to do this. Yeah. And that sort of brought my musical side instead of my production side, you know. Definitely. I think... Are you the younger brother? The younger brother, yeah. It always happens where I'm the younger brother as well. I take everything yeah. good from my older brother <laughs> yeah. and then overachieve with it. Yeah. It's the classic cycle. Yeah, um, <laughs> we don't have to go through all the band LA stuff just because I want this to be about the project now. But I think an yeah. important note to touch on is during that period of, you know, not wanting to do music, writing for other people and not wanting, you know, to be, an artist with your face on the front of it. Um, you know, what, what did it take for you to change that? What transitioned you from that state of mind to the state of mind you're in now, do you think? I don't know. It was weird. I, like, I was, I was, I was happy producing for other people, but it was coming from, I had some personal shit I needed to deal with, you know, it was coming from a place of, I don't want to do my own music, but I, I don't want to do a nine to five right now. So I'm going to write with people and I'm going to be able to eat off that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was my sort of my, my income. It was like an income thing at the start, you know? And while all this is happening, I'm always writing music for myself. I'm, I'm doing that because that's all I do. You know, I, I still do that. I just love writing excuse me, writing music. Um, but then, yeah, once I, I put out a song with Kian, um, Waiting, and that it just went, you know, it went crazy. It went like, you know, I'm I just, I'm getting like a, a four times platinum plaque on the way from this, like literally the, f- the first song I produced for someone else, you know? And yeah. I was like, damn, this is crazy. So from there, I, I did like Adrian Eagles EP and I did like Baker Boys, um, majority of Baker Boys stuff. And I was like, damn, this is actually, you know, I, it's like I got the, the spark back or whatever, the feeling of like, I can make what I love. And I did love the music, you know, like I, lo- I, I love all the Kian stuff. I love all the Adrian stuff. And, you know, I was like, you can make music you love and, you know, kill it. Yeah. 
So I started, you know, speaking to different labels, different managers, and I was like, I got that spark thing back. And then, you know, the George Floyd thing um, happened and the Black Lives Matter, you know, Black Lives Matter movement was was in full effect. And I, I was going to protests. I was donating, you know, money that I didn't even have. You know, I was doing everything I could do, but there was just no, if I felt like I wasn't doing enough. So I, you know, I wrote this song that was, like I said before, it was a song, it was a verse from five years ago and another verse from, you know, I have a song called Mikey My Out. And yeah. I took one of the verses that was in that and put that in there. And I just quickly put this thing together. Um, and there was no plan of putting this song out because there was no plan of me putting any songs out, you know, from yeah. before I spoke to anyone. And once I, I, it's almost like I blanked out for, you know, two, three days. I was in lockdown. I was, you know, staying up. There was no sleeping involved. It was like, you know, I was up. I was on this, this, you know, I don't know, the feeling that you get where you, I can't explain it, but you I just was, know. You just know, you know yeah. what I mean? I, I came out of it, you know, two days later with this song. And I, I, I knew, I was like, this song is fucking beautiful. I need to get this song out. And also by helping, you know what I mean? So um, all the money from that song goes to Victorian Aboriginal Legal Services. I know you were saying that you, you guys. Yeah, we work with well. the New South Wales, yeah. Yeah, so that was the first thing. I was like, every cent needs to go to them. Um, and I'm also raising awareness. And, you know, it was the, personally, it was the best thing I I ever did because it felt like I, my whole life I've been using my talent for myself and I've been using it to, you know, gain my followers or, you know, get my shows bigger. Or I, I felt like I had never done something that you know was genuinely helping helping in a financial way or you know funding someone that is you know helping it's it just it, it just really um yeah that was the, yeah. that was the the way i released my first song i honestly if if that didn't happen or it wasn't still happening i probably would have not released music yet yeah so it's crazy because I think the, the thing about I can't breathe, I can't breathe is yeah. that, you know, no one, no one in this. And I think this, this might sound like an overreach, but I think it's true. No one's ever put a song like that out in Australia. Um, yeah. It was like effectively. And like, this might sound like a reach, but it was revolutionary for me. Um, yeah. Just with the way that I saw, I think it, it was a massive marker in the way that I saw hip hop moving in Australia. Um, and we'll get into that more later, how we close this conversation off. Um, mm-hmm. Was there any, not that there should have been, but was there any hesitation or anxiety before releasing the song from your end that, shit, this is a massive statement. I don't want to like, just like general insecurity about, you know, is Australia ready to receive a message like this or is it too blunt? Or was that never even across your mind? It's like, they need to hear this stuff. It's it's so It's so strange, you know, like... <clears throat> I have a song that I put out before that um, on my Instagram uh, with the same verse in it. So, so the so people had already heard the song, but it just, you know, I was like, 
it was a different version of it. And it's, it's a song about, you know, um, just don't touch my Afro. You know what I mean? Like, like if you're a sister, if you're, you know, if you're a black person, go, go ahead. But like, if you know, white, white, don't touch my hair. Like that's it. And the reaction off of that was, you know, good. Again, we're coming back to the Instagram talk. It was, you know, all the people yeah. that are following me, um, or you know, a few people that did follow me from that. So I didn't, I didn't feel like I was doing the wrong thing, or feel, felt like I would wasn't ready for the backlash that you know I've I've received before. You know, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was weird. I, I received backlash on you know a few sides that I didn't expect, but you know, it's I know deep down, you know what my intentions were and I know deep down that um, if people that do know me like they know that this is it was never a way you, you know to to gain yeah you know to gain you know for my personal thing it was never that and uh, that was a thing like when I spoke to my label and stuff I, I told them that I really don't want them to push it i don't want them to put their name on it I, you know the first i wasn't even going to release it under my name and then i was just going to be under we wanted to just put it under blm that's it as just yeah. like a separate thing. just a statement just a statement yeah. and then you know i did put my name on it and then because i am proud of it and i am proud to, of what it is doing and i feel that like you know, it did it did get a mixed reaction of people going, oh, he's, he's just doing that for the the clout of it. And the thing is, like, it also brings me down because it makes me become toxic because I start thinking of things like, if I was really doing things for the clout, I would do the songs that I have been doing. You know, exactly. the songs I've been writing for other people with the songs that, you know, I have songs that are, that I've produced for other people that are so big. And I know for a fact that I have songs in my whatever that would be bigger than that song, but that's not the goal. That was never the yeah. goal. Do you know what I mean? So um, yeah, it also brings me back to like having to remind people that, yo, I know how to write it. A hit, you yeah. know what I mean? Not like a fucking, but you know what I mean? I know how to I write exactly a song me, yeah. for clout, but um, that wasn't one of those. That was actually, you know. That's like the opposite. Like the, the total opposite. opposite. The total opposite. It just made it made no sense. The the uh, backlash that I did get, like the what the type of backlash that I was confused about. Um, so that's when I was like, oh. But otherwise, I was ready for any other backlash, and I was prepared because I knew deep down that my intentions were good. Exactly. I think as well. Like to your point again. Like if you wanted to write a hit, you could have written a hit. Like in, in on a separate thing, like if you want to make money off something, you, it's not going to be political activism that almost half the population of this country thinks is like bad, like because yeah. they're insecure and they yeah. don't want to see these things. So like if you really wanted to write a hit, you would have just got, and this is no slander to this artist, you would have just got like a baby came beat, mm. you could have done a fast flow, a singing yeah. hook, and then just moved yeah. on. Like Exactly. And I am, I'm the biggest baby came fan in the country, but <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, that's what I like. Oh, just the logic is so faulted, like for people saying you're cloud chasing. And I think it was really yeah. important as well that 
that statement came from an individual, from like an artist, a singular artist, because it makes it so much more potent and special as well that you're wearing your heart and yourself and you're telling a personal story on that as well. You're not, you know, I think that was really important. So I'm glad it came out the way it did in the end. Yeah. Um, sort of to flip, to look on the more positive side of it, obviously like, you know, blogs, fans, there was so much positive reception around that song and it's what put my eyes onto your work initially. You know, was that, was that positive, um, you know, reaction was it, you know, welcoming? Was it exciting? Or was it like, nah, this shit deserves the good attention it's getting? Like, I'm glad it's people like responding and listening to it and pushing it. Honestly, I I was very I was surprised because like my men my mental like my mentality around the song was originally it was just gonna be another Instagram video that I do, just like me making a video, putting it on Instagram and people doing that and then I don't know I think I was speaking with uh you know the guy that mixed it one of, one of my really good friends Aman he's he's crazy him and he runs a joint called on three so you got to check that stuff shout out. out he's shout out yeah um that he I think I spoke with him after we mixed it and we were just were like this shit is you know like it's not just the Instagram post like it's it, mm. it's really really fire so that that it was never meant to be any really anything past that so once i did see the reaction and the the whatever all these things happening i wish i just was like really 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 surprised i was really caught off guard and wasn't ready for doing interviews and doing live versions of it and blah blah yeah. blah so yeah i i, I wasn't i I, I knew the song was fire and it was dope, but I just had never experienced that. So I didn't know what, what to expect. Definitely. And and now you're on Parry Talks doing an interview. So Yeah, we're um, doing it. Identity, and I think this leans on the last point as well. Identity is everything, especially in hip hop. And if you're rapping, it's everything because it's the most, I think it's the rawest genre for me. And you do tackle yep. your identity head on. You know, I'm thinking about Mikey Might here. And I reflect on this stuff a lot with me and how I've tackled my heritage and background and how that fits in with Australia's context. Did you realise that, you know, the displacement of your identity, do you think that came as a realisation later in life as you started living as an adult or was it something that was omnipresent just generally throughout your childhood? Um, 100%. I thought I was, me and my brother, so my mum and my dad uh, uh, split up when I was around four or five and my, I stayed with my dad and I grew up with my grandma and my dad my whole life. And then, you know, my, and my mom, me and my mom are good now, but like, it was just me, my grandma and my dad. So growing up in a two black kids, me and my brother in a full Lebo family. And I wasn't treated different. Obviously I, I didn't realize I was treating diff- treated mm. different when I was treated different. Um, but it, to me, I was just like, these were my family. So I look at these, all I see is Lebanese people around me and I'm just used to that. But then slowly I got older and I was like, questions were different, reactions were different. Like I would be in a group of Lebo people and 
two black like me just by myself and I know that the focus would go on to me and it was very like I stood out you know what I mean and I would always be it, it just started started making making sense and um I think my brother realized it a little bit more but yeah when I was younger honestly when I was younger it was so weird because I was so Lebanese I was Le- I am Lebanese you know what yeah. I mean like I've got this this the the, Leb- the Zimbabwean I'm Lebanese and Zimbabwean but it's so weird like when I'm with my Lebanese crew I'm like so Lebanese and um on the inside and then for on the outside it's like dealing with dealing with that that's another I'm I'm got, having too many conversations yeah. in my head right now but like that's, well, that's another a, that's the this is the conflict here yeah, you're explaining yeah. it perfectly yeah yeah it's like the other part of it is realizing that I I really have no one to I had really I really had no one to talk to and I still have no one to talk to because you know as you know about family everyone's going to have different views and different blah 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 it's all this stuff it's just really hard having a conversation with someone about my skin color when they don't have that skin color yeah and so their experiences are totally different and they will never ever go through that you know what i mean I know. I, I do. never go. Well, I, I don't know what you mean, but I do know what you're saying. But, but yeah, 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 you know what I'm saying. Yeah, like they they will never understand that. So, so when I'm when I'm talking to people about that's I really realize this when I got a bit older, and like you realize that like family when they're at home by themselves and it's like a safe place to talk their honest mind. You, you hear some cold. You hear some yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. You're like, whoa. You know what I mean? Mm. Um. But the difference is, is like, I still feel like the outsider because, because I'm, I, you know what I mean. Like, if I was half something else Arabic, it, it would maybe feel a bit, you know what I mean. But it's like full opposite. It's like opposite thing going on. So the conversations we would have, are, yeah. Anyway, I'm just, I'm just going, going away with it. Good... I feel like this, this might be like a, a false comparison for you, but in my mind, or like. Whatever, call me out all you want after I say this, but yeah, Greek people, Greek people are having a massive, or like I've seen a lot of reflection by a lot of Greek people at the moment of quite negative around Giannis from the Bucks. Okay, I'm not sure from the NBA. This is okay, Greek basketball player. Oh, yeah, 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 he's African, but he's as Greek as possible, like he's as Greek as it gets. And do you see some of the reactions from Greek people being like? Like, is he really Greek and stuff? Or is like, he's not a real Greek and stuff. And it's yeah. so toxic and disgusting. Yeah, and yeah. It's just like, man, as the world becomes more multicultural and people cross-pollinate, that's the most beautiful thing ever. It's like, yeah. what would Australia be like without having a Chinese restaurant on one block, a Thai restaurant on the other one? Like, you'd be dead. It'd be boring without you know, getting Zata from the other corner as well. It's yeah. like, so many people don't understand how beautiful and like, like privilege we are in Australia to have that. And, you know, it's sometimes yeah. so divisive with multiculturalism. I don't like, I can't even start on how annoying it is, yeah. but yeah, I, I see. And yeah, he's like the goat NBA player. Not that I know anything about basketball, but that's just one thing that I've seen yeah, in the yeah, public yeah. eye where it's like, yeah, people are so backwards still. And it's crazy. Yeah. It's still man, a Mikey it's, Mike. it's oh, sorry, crazy. No, no, I was just agreeing. I was like, yeah, it's, it's nuts. <laughs> um, on, on Mikey Mike. And again, Let's show the flip side, hopefully, in a more positive. 
um how much does writing and releasing a song like that help with you like find resolutions on your identity does it help you come to terms with things does it does it help as a healing process writing music like that yeah i think when i when i wrote that song <clears throat> that was you know that's one of my that's my oldest song that was one of the first songs that i wrote and i was like okay i want to start doing i want to do my own thing like i want to put out music but then it just i ended up losing the laptop and then i lost the song and just all this stuff like happened with that song anyway um yeah once i put the song out i was i was so shocked how many people hit me up going yo i go through the same thing i feel the same vibe like I spoke to so many people that were like, told me their stories and it was, it was what I go through. It's that, that simple thing of being, um, you know, what, what, I, yeah, what I was saying before, it's like, I can't speak to you about this cause you don't get it. And I can't speak to you about this cause you don't get it. So I'm just not going to speak. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and people, so many people went, went through that and, when you're going through something like that, especially if you're brought up the way I'm brought up, which, you know, if you're mixed, you're most likely brought up, you know, one side or the other side or like not one side or the other side, but like you're, you're split. Um, you feel like you're the only, only one. Like I didn't even really speak to my brother about, about it until I put this song out. You know what I mean? Um, and he's the, he's, we're literally the same person, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that it definitely it definitely helped um, realize like how many people are going through it, and and um, yeah, it's because it's such a it's such a weird feeling being like the you know I don't know. It's it's so it's so weird. It's weird. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Man, we're we're like forty minutes in. And, oh yeah, we're going hard, bro. Like and, um, ten minutes. I'm just talking. No, that's good. As I said, <laughs> the the period of time as it goes far, you have time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, that's, just... <laughs> that's the one. That's the I think, tattoo. man, four singles down now. If that's right, yeah, four singles technically officially yeah. released. Yeah, each one have the each one has a very distinct flavor to it and energy to it. What was the main characteristic of your you know, musical abilities that you wanted to flaunt with Concrete Jungle Fever? I don't, I don't know. That, that Concrete Jungle Fever is my favourite song. That's it's mine all well. I, That's all I listened to for... I wrote that. I wrote it uh, probably like a year ago or a year and a half ago. And... All my homies know, like you can speak to any of my friends and they they can't even listen to the song anymore. That's how many times I would play the song. Like I I was obsessed with it. Like my, my best friend, Chuck, when I put that shit up, when I put it up and she's like, oh, wow. Like she was just like, wow, this is the first time I've heard it. This is awesome. Because <laughs> she knows that I just play that shit every single day. Every time we'd have like a kick on or whatever, playing it. Um, yeah, that I don't even know what your question is, but I'm just saying, yeah, that concrete jungle fever is just. Oh, hold on. Oh, 
Concrete Jungle Fever was just, once I made that beat, <clears throat> um, so I heard the Stan, Stan, Stanley Ray sample just going through like old, old like tracks. And I heard that thing and, and I like straight away just chopped up, chopped, chopped it up. And I'm, it was like an instant beat. When I make a beat, that's instant. You know, usually, yeah, yeah I know. You know what I mean? Like I do that disappear thing and I came back and I was like, this shit is fucking crazy. And I did the bitch, I you know how I was right. I did that straight away. It was like an instant thing. And then it just sat like that for ages. And I just had the beat and I just show people and I just, we would use it to freestyle over. Um, yeah. Like I have heaps of just freestyle beats. Um, you know, that was one of the ones. And then I don't know. I just, yeah. I don't, I don't even know what the question is. So <laughs> that's a good, I want you to talk your mind. I think, you know how you said if you like you like your songs so much that you listen to them over and over again? Mm-hmm. Do you think, just as a general, like I'm just asking you as a music fan, as a music listener, um, is that your pattern of listening with music generally? Is it just like, this is my song, I'm rocking with this, I'm playing it That's four times a day? Four times a day. I just <laughs> will press play on that same song that many times. I can't help it. like Because... You, you, it's almost like you're chasing that feeling again. Like when you yeah. first hear it, you're constantly, and you get, the, I feel like with some songs, you, you get that feeling every time, even if you like have a break from it and you come back to it, it's like you re you rediscover it or whatever. Yeah. Um, that's what I do with my music. I'll play it every single day, nonstop. Like I've been writing, I wrote this thing the other, probably yesterday or not yesterday. I wrote it like a week ago and I've been playing it every single day. I know that like by tomorrow, I'm not going to listen to it for like two weeks and then I'll come back to it and listen to it. I think that's why I can't really write um, super quick yeah. because I know that like I, I need to listen to it a week later after rinsing it. I need to listen to it later and go, okay, this is actually good or no, I'm not feeling this, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's that seems like a important part of your creative process. Like, if it stands the test of the, yeah. the spam and then the week later, yeah. then you know it's going to work for listeners because if you're exactly. not sick of it by then, like someone's going to lie, like people will enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but I think just to dive into Concrete Jungle Fever, the music video was like absolutely incredible, like it blew my mind. I remember, yes. I'm not to get too bloody music industry, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, let's but go. Like you get the email come through, for like press release, whatever. And like sometimes I just have gifs of the music video, and I saw mm-hmm. the gif of like I'm not sure what part of the music video for Concrete Jungle Fever. I was like, okay, I'm sold. Like this is this is yeah, enough. Sick. This is enough for me. But yeah, just yeah. I can't imagine how crazy those shoots were. Just what's a lasting memory for you just throughout that period of recording it? Man, that that clip was was so crazy to shoot. You know, Sanjay De Silva is a he's a beast. He's so crazy. I remember when I looked, watched, saw his um, Sampa the Greats uh, video clips and I was just like, I need this sort of energy. I love yeah. it. Um, but yeah, the the most lasting memory, I don't, I don't know, man. Like it's, it all seems like a blur. You know? Probably some it of all, the makeup and stuff has to be up yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, oh, dude, the, the makeup. Being able to be the, because I love Eddie, anything Eddie Murphy, and like to be able to be these people, you just sort of, you can get away with everything. I was like saying some crazy shit, and it's just like it's, it's fine, it's it's cool. It's like you, 
you know. Honestly, the craziest part of it is that I've been all about my music and from that clip, I've been getting hit up by like different, you know, directors and, um, you know, acting people and, you know, people are interested in me doing more like acting stuff now. And I was like, damn, like I'll be down to do that, you know. I, and I didn't, I didn't think about it, but yeah. yeah. Um, Get this man on home and away, bro. <laughs> Some of my homies are on there and I'm like, look, this is your, that's all you. You got that. <laughs> You got your lane because, like, if you start yeah. if you start winning in everything, you're gonna leave no space for anyone else. You know, <laughs> like, imagine you started a podcast now, just wipe right, me off the I face of back. the earth, bro. When I get back, I'm gonna start a podcast, bro. <laughs> Wait, where are you now? I'm in my um, at my place. We I live with like five, uh, four other people. It's like a massive warehouse in Fitzroy. You can sort of see it. See. This spot, um, Damn, exclusive, yeah, <laughs> talks so, exclusive. yeah, straight up. We so I live with Jesse, Jesse's um, like Adrian Eagle and Tash Sultana's drummer, and um, I live with also my oh, sorry, um, also, excuse me, I also live with um, my brother, he's like downstairs and he plays bass for like Baker Boy, Adrian Eagle as well. So everyone here is just music, music people, you know, um, and we get to like have jams and stuff. If it wasn't for that, I'd probably go pretty psycho here during lockdown. Sick. Last question, because we're running out of time, because mm-hmm. it's been an absolute epic conversation so far. This is something I ask everyone. Um, it does stump people. So I should have told you this in advance, but I do apologize. That's all right. Um, you know, we like to have families, not families, literally, but, you know, we, we like to cross-pollinate with our podcasts, you know, getting friends on and stuff. Who do you think should come on Parry Talks? Who needs this grilling treatment? Who would be great to talk to, in your opinion? Honestly, honestly, I think that you guys should speak to um, to the guy I mentioned uh, before, Aman and Kish. They run a thing called On3. And what it is, it's like it's a, they they run almost events, but they're all honestly, I couldn't even tell you what they are. They they almost run events, but then they manage artists. They're like these underground ARs that find these people. So so Arman introduced me to Adrian Eagle. So I didn't know who Adrian Adrian was just an up-and-coming artist, and he showed me this good person. And um I really, really think that you guys, you should speak to these guys because they're almost like an underground label A&R thing that are finding these artists that I have no idea where they find these artists, but they're so, so dope. Um, yeah, Arman Bayetli and Kish from Sick. On3 should be the ones that you that, that you should link with. Perfect. That's a perfect track because I'd heard of them before, but now now I can clip this, send it to them and be like, the pressure's <laughs> yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, man, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks so much for sharing your story as well. We do really appreciate it. Um, if you've listened this far, you're a legend. Please go check out all his music. It'll be in the, the description. <laughs> It'll be in the description <laughs> of both like on Apple Music, Spotify, all that stuff on YouTube as well, SoundCloud, you name it. And yeah, stream Concrete Jungle Fever. Yeah, man. man. Thanks so much, bro. It was really, really good speaking to you. Honestly, this is 
one of the best uh, interviews I've, I've done easily. Bless.